This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. This is Baseball Outside the Box with Peter Caliendo. Innovative thoughts from baseball's best coaching minds from around the world. Brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, former USA Baseball National Team coach, Peter Caliendo. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Baseball Outside the Box. I'm your host, Pete Caliendo. Thanks for joining us, everybody in the U.S. and around the world. Appreciate it. We're in over 100 countries. Hey, keep doing us a favor. Keep sharing the show. It really helps out. Don't worry about the levels of baseball because we hit them all. Anywhere from youth level, the most important, the volunteer coaches, all the way to the major league coaches. And all our guests come from all over in the U.S. and the world. So, again, thanks for joining us. And welcome, again, ESPN Honolulu, our great friends there. We really appreciate you joining the show. And uh, check it out because we're going to be having some baseball coaches from Honolulu and from Hawaii. So, aloha, my friends. And before we start, just like to mention, hey, we have a great friends in Japan. You know, a lot of work in Japanese baseball. They are going to be a sponsor of the show, um, SIS. It's the Solutions Integrity Services. Yeah, no, they're not a baseball company, but they are baseball people, great baseball people. Matter of fact, the owner is a baseball coach in Japan, and they do a lot of things like install telephone systems, PCs and workshops, design network systems for you. They even do the sales of the network equipment, the equipment relocation and cabling. Um, they've got all kinds of service, electrical work, client support and management services for IT equipment. It's an IT company in Japan, but they have major, major clients in the U.S. And the next show will tell you all about their clients. So uh, if you are interested in learning more about them, just get a hold of me, caliendo19 at gmail.com. We will be giving you their website and everything here in the next uh, couple shows. So again, thank you so much to SIS Solutions Integrated Services. We really appreciate that. Um, hey, guess what? Um, we have an outstanding guest. Uh, and let me tell you, not only a great guest, great person, an Italian-American and a guy that's been in the game a long time. Um, he, he looks like he's uh, about 18 years old, but he's been in the game a long time. And God bless his youth. Um, we met in Slovenia at the, at the WBSC European Baseball Congress. Uh, I think we hit it off. Um, we had a great time there, talked baseball. I learned a lot just from the short period I was there with him. Uh, just a brilliant mind in the game. He scouted uh, you know, amateur baseball and also internationally. He get this, he's a former assistant general manager, not only for the Diamondbacks, the Nationals. By the way, Mike Rizzo, Chicago guy, great guy, worked with his dad a long time here in Independent Ball and the Phillies, uh, assistant GM in those capacities, handled baseball operations, rules, compliance, transactions, budgeting, and contract negotiations. Um, he was also director of baseball ops for the Pittsburgh Pirates for nine years. Hey, his, his uh, degree, bachelor's in science, double major in math and stats at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, you know, now get this, and we're going to talk about this eventually, but I want to get into the baseball part first. He's running for the president of the WBSC, the World Baseball Softball Confederation. He's also up for executive board member at large, chairman, baseball division, and vice chairman of the baseball division. So he's got great, great talent. Um, if he makes one of these with the WBSC, he is going to be a huge, huge, huge uh part of the WBSC. He's going to be so integral because he has so much experience and he loves international baseball. So let's not waste any time. Let's welcome my friend, Brian Minetti. How you doing, Brian? I'm great, Pete. Thank you. How are you? 
I'm doing good. Sorry for that long uh, talk, but we had a little intro there. Got a great sponsor coming on board. And I thought it was important, you know, to mention yeah, your background a little bit. And I know it goes back. You, you've done a lot more than that. But also, you know, the uh, the uh, thing that, you know, you will be up for election in July with the WBSC, which we'll get into. But I, hopefully everything's going well for you, my friend. Everything's great. Thank you. And you, you characterized our meeting uh, in Slovenia well. We did hit it off. So it was great. And I would say I learned so much by being there, not just from you, but everyone I got to meet it. The whole experience was, was wild and really interesting to me. Yeah. And what a great, you know, great people, international people, aren't they? International baseball. They love the game. They're in it for the, the, the love of the game. They're not just in it for a job, even though, you know, if they can get a job, God bless them, right? Cause if you can get a job in something you love and develop baseball in your country, why not? No question. Yeah. I think a lot of your listeners are in the same boat as, as me and you just lucky to, to, to be a part of this thing. You know, and Brian, you're starting to see, before I start with the quick question and answer, I want to get to let the audience know about you. Um, you know, the other part of all this is you're starting to actually see countries, you see people in other countries who are getting jobs in baseball because of being creative, whether it's, you know, coaching development, whether it's just baseball development, whether it's teams, all the different things, you know, they're starting to get jobs where it's nice to see. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. And I think everybody, I mean, the more time you spend outside of your own country, you realize there are a lot of people that are, you know, often enthusiastic like you. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've really learned a lot in this space about how creative some folks have to be uh, in their country, whether it's a lack of equipment or, uh, or infrastructure or anything like that. Um, and those are the kind of people you like to hire and have on staff. They can make an impact with your players and, and your, uh, and your kids. Absolutely. And folks, the other thing we want to accomplish here is I, you know, I want Brian, I'm going to talk to Brian about how he got started in baseball because you know, there's a lot of young people getting into the game and there's different levels. And, you know, what do you, what, you know, what do you have to do to get to there? You know, what kind of background do you need? I mean, you notice Brian's background, he'll tell you more about it, but, you know, bachelor in science, a double major in math and statistics um, and a baseball background, but we'll, we'll get into that. Brian, let's, uh, let's do this real quick because I think it'd be great for our audience to, to kind of know you a little bit. Where, where'd you grow up? Sure. All over the country. A lot of Pennsylvania. Uh, my, my family's mostly from Pennsylvania, but I grew up all over the place. Uh, California, Georgia, Ohio. I was born outside of Cleveland and uh, a lot of Pennsylvania, though, growing up. What's all the moving? Uh, my dad's job. He was in the, the uh, power industry, uh, nuclear and fossil fuels at different points. We were all over the country for that. Ah, there go. Now I know where you got your smarts from. <laughs> I got it now. Nuclear development here. All right. Um, and uh, what kind of sports did you play? I played, you know, just like everybody else, I guess. Growing up, you play everything. I played, you know, football and baseball my my whole life. Uh, I was not very good at, oh, I wasn't very good at any of them, quite honestly. But uh, I played basketball, hockey, golf. You know, like like you do as a kid, you play a little bit of everything. But uh, through high school, um, football and baseball. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Um, I played baseball, not very good at all, um, and I know that for sure. That's the fact. Um, high school you attended. Uh, York Catholic High School in York, Pennsylvania, just uh, south of Harrisburg, a little north of Baltimore. And college was the uh, University, University of Pittsburgh, right? University of Pittsburgh, yeah, that was it. And then I, I was lucky enough to get started with the Pirates my junior year of college. Wow, and we're going to talk about that. Um, you know, the uh, what about uh, when you were a young kid? What, 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 like, you know, my mom knew that I wanted to be a scientist. Uh, no <laughs> way I was ever going to be one. Um, but because I didn't like school and, do, you know, just did average, you know. Uh, sure. but what, what, what did you want to be when you were young? Yeah, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. Uh, I actually thought I wanted to be a pediatrician, uh, which, you know, I guess on some level ultimately ties into to, you know, the WBSC stuff in, in terms of my, my interest in helping kids. But 
Yeah, I thought that was going to be uh, my career. I actually, uh, the Pittsburgh, University of Pittsburgh was the only college I applied to that wasn't for baseball. Everywhere else was to play baseball. And, you know, I was probably a scout ahead of my years there in terms of knowing that I wasn't very good. Uh, and so I, I thought I'm going to go to school and be a doctor. And, and uh, I would say uh, Chem 2 and Bio 2 took care of that for me pretty quickly. So I, I was able to switch my major and switch gears and uh, really lucky to have landed in baseball when I did. Awesome. And folks, I'm looking down in case you're on uh, Facebook or YouTube. I look down because I'm looking at the Facebook page. Um, my mom and dad taught me great manners. Always when you're talking to somebody, you make sure you look them in the eyes. But once in a while, I got to look down because I'm hoping to get some questions for Brian. Because, man, uh, with your background, especially. Hey, uh, how about brothers and sisters? I have, I have one younger brother who lives in, uh, in suburban Michigan. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Anybody else in baseball? Uh, no, nobody else. I've just, you know, some, some uh, ties to growing up. Uh, uh, somebody who's been a good friend uh, since I was, I guess I've known him since I was 12 as a GM of the Reds. But uh, outside of that, uh, no, nobody I knew in baseball. And, and certainly I was lucky to get in because I didn't know anybody at that point either. And being with all these teams, uh, I'm sure you got people calling you for tickets, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, which is actually, a, it's a fun thing. That's one of the benefits of, especially when you're traveling with the major league team, which I've, I've done a lot of at different points. It's actually a nice uh, opportunity to visit with friends and family all over the country on someone else's dime, except for when the tax bill comes for the uh, the tickets. Yeah, that's changed a little bit because now you got to pay taxes on the tickets. And I remember in the old days, you could just give them away, but now there's taxes that you have to pay. So, you know, you, you have to really like who you're leaving for. Yeah, exactly. No, no wonder I didn't get any tickets yet. Jeez, oh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Kidding, folks, never ask for tickets. Uh, the, uh, you know, the other part is, uh, how about, when you were a kid, you know, the Boston Red Sox were my favorite team. I don't know why, but I remember the 75 World Series between the Reds and Boston. And I actually taped it on the, you know, cassette tapes. I still have that. I'm not sure many people had that show or that get that World Series on cassette. Great World Series. That was my favorite team. What do you got when you were a kid? Uh, I, I probably, so I lived uh, in or near um, a handful of major league uh, cities. So I, I didn't really have a favorite team. I, I would say that I kind of followed wherever I lived. Um, but I really think a lot of my, my interest in baseball and my passion for it uh, was I, I spent a few years living in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. My parents are actually both from there. And so I, I grew up going to the Little League World Series uh, as a kid, uh, but also going to minor league baseball games there in Williamsport. And for a long time, when I was younger, they were a double-A team for uh, the Indians, the Mariners, uh, the Mets, uh, uh, now the Guardians, of course. But, um, but yeah, so I grew up going to, to double-A baseball games, um, you know, my whole life. My grandfather was a season ticket holder and all like that. So I think that's really, a, a you know, I had an early rooting interest. It was the, the Williamsport, Williamsport Bills at the time for a long yeah. time and, and all like that. But, uh, but then living in a bunch of, you know, in or near a bunch of major league cities, I kind of just, you know, loved baseball and I loved whoever was, I was watching. Yeah, that's cool, man. Matter of fact, you mentioned Little League. All our friends right now from Europe and Africa in Little League right now for their European and African meetings. We see them all on Facebook. You know, everybody we've seen in Slovenia there, they're having a good time. Good to see them get a chance to travel into the U.S., you know, go to the Little League World Series site, be on the field. I think there were some umpire things going on. Pretty cool. Very cool, yeah. All right, man. Listen, last one. Um, you probably had several, but... Uh, you know, I know I've had probably four or five mentors, but some, you know, you can mention a couple, a couple of mentors that really helped you along the way, um, especially that you want to thank because they, you know, without them, you, I know without certain mentors I had, I would never have done what I'm doing right now. Sure. Yeah. I, I that's way too long of a list and I'm way more inclined to leave somebody off. That's important to me than, than not. But 
I'll just say a, a couple things. I mean, I've worked for, um, I want to say seven different general managers of, over my career, and I've learned a lot from every single one of them. Uh, and I've been really lucky because they were all wildly uh, different people, uh, which was really cool. Um, and then, you know, I, I wouldn't be in baseball if it weren't for John Mercurio. Um, John is a professional scout with the Phillies. Uh, John hired me as an intern with the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, you know, back in, in, you know, the winter of 2000, going into 2001. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have a career in baseball if he hadn't hired me and then, you know, fought hard to keep me uh, even when I was in college. So uh, I'll leave it at that. But I mean, just countless people that I've been exposed to uh, front office scouting, old school, new school, you name it. I've been really, really lucky in my career to have been raised by you know, a lot of people that had a, a lot of interest in helping me learn and grow. And, and I, I couldn't do it any justice by trying to name a few people. Absolutely. Yeah. I would have put you a little bit on a spot, especially if you got a lot of people like that, you know, the, here's the interesting part. I want to get started with how you got started into the game. And it, what's interesting about this is, you know, here we are university of Pittsburgh, you know, I know I was in school, never really knew what I was going to take degree wise. I was a pre-law major, I, you know, just cause I like law. Um, and, and I didn't know till my third year, really what I really want to do. And I'm not even sure even knew after I graduated, what I wanted to do. Right. Um, my mom always asked me, you know, hey, uh, what are you going to go into? You know, doctor, attorney, this, that I said, baseball. I think she almost flipped when I said baseball. Um, but you know, here you are, I believe you said a junior year, you're, you're doing a work with the pirates. Where did this all start? How did you decide, you know, what you're going to do and, because you obviously took these classes specifically for baseball, the statistics aspect. No, no. I, I no. so when I when I shifted gears, my major, I I, uh, I switched to math because it just made sense to me. I had continued to take math classes, and it just made sense to me. And you know, the statistics degree was was something I was able to do at the same time. Uh, and uh, I, I'm not sure I would do that uh, again if I had the chance to do it over again. It was it was uh, probably a little out of my reach, but I made it through. Um, and really, my you know, I love baseball, but I didn't know you could work in baseball. I'll try and make this fairly brief, but no, go, go. I had a couple of moments that, that really stand out. So one is um, a guy I mentioned before, Nick Crawl is the general manager of the Reds. Um, like I said, I've known Nick since I was 12. Nick was a, um, an American Legion coach in the summertime. Uh, and he was a few years older than me and, and uh, came back and coached my team one summer. And, uh, you know, he got an internship in the minor leagues. Um, with the now defunct New Jersey Cardinals, who are, who are I think now the state college spikes, uh, which, you know, so anyways, uh, so Nick getting into minor league baseball was a motivator for me because I thought, wow, here's this, this, you know, opportunity to go do something I love and, and, you know, work in an industry I love, or, or I should say a sport I love. Uh, I didn't know about really anything about it at the time. Uh, so I would say he's my big motivator and, and throughout our careers, we've, we've always been close. Um, and then once I, you know, I kind of accidentally stumbled into an internship with the Pirates. I, I had gone to an internship office with, at the University of Pittsburgh and kind of naively uh, told them that I really liked sports and I wanted to work in sports. And, uh, you know, I think probably, I don't know how you know, young your listeners are, but you have to keep in mind that, you know, this is 22 years ago at this point. And, you know, the, you know, the level of sophistication and the savvy with getting into these things is far different than, you know, than, than it was then. So, uh, or is now, I should say. So I, I was lucky enough. I, I uh, looked into some internships in hockey even. Um, and a woman told me that there was a, 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 the Pirates were looking for somebody that sounded like me. Uh, and uh, I, I faxed a resume over, interviewed a week later, and, and I've been doing this ever since. And, and I would say that a few months after that, uh, we had our scouting meetings in, in uh, January of 2001, I believe it was. Uh, our, new, our whole scouting staff was together and they're rolling out a new scouting software. 
And uh, Cam Bonifay at the time was the general manager. And I got to stand in the back of the room and listen to him speak and address the scouting staff. And I will, you know, try not to get emotional, but I'll, I'll never forget how that felt to stand there and listen to him talk with these guys and, and just the professionalism, the way he carried himself, his message, everything about it. And I just, I remember that moment of going, holy cow, I want to be that guy. And that's kind of how it went from there. And I, I was lucky enough to uh, kind of give up my friends and family to, to keep having a job there and stay as long as I did. You know, and uh, yeah, I remember Cam, I don't know him, but man, that, 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 that is inspiring because, you know, when you hear guys like that, that, that really gives you an opening into saying, hey, that's something I really want to do. And but guys on gals on Facebook, I want to I appreciate the comments. Keep bringing the comments. Um, got a great one from our friend Syed, you know, from Pakistan, sure. um, the president. He uh, Brian he says Brian can make a good role in, in development of baseball, specifically in developing countries like Pakistan, India, Nepal, Iran, Iraq, Palestine, Sri Lanka, Malaysia, African countries, also European development countries in the game. And I agree with you, Syed, 100%. He is outstanding. And I, no, no matter what, he's going to be doing a lot of things internationally. But I'm hoping that one of them will be with the WBSC. And we're going to talk about that towards the end of the show here, uh, how he got into that and what, what, what his goals are. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the other part of this, Brian, is you, you pick, you've got nowadays, I'm a young person, I want to get into a game. It sounds like Hey, get into statistics, get into mathematics. It's something you almost have to do to give you either to stay on par or to put yourself ahead of somebody else. Of course, you got to know the development of the game too, baseball itself. I mean, you can learn that obviously through internships and all that, but what's your advice there to young people? Yeah, I, well, I guess I would say it never hurts to, to know as much as you can know about pretty much everything that applies to the game these days. I, I would say generally speaking broadly, and I don't know if this is different for any other industry that's unique, um, you know, find ways to separate yourself from the pack. And maybe that's a language skill. Maybe that's an applied uh, experience. Uh, maybe it's just getting creative with the experiences you have and making, you know, making them appeal to people that are in the industry you want to be in and, and make it sound uh, similar. Um, but I think generally speaking, you know, the things you're talking about, analytics and, and numbers and things like that, they're, they're not going to go away. Um, so I think any, anything you do to learn and, and grow in that area is going to help you. Uh, but the more well-rounded you are, the better. And really, I think it comes down to just, you know, separators on your resume or in your background that give you an opportunity to, to put yourself in a lot of different rooms. And again, I, I don't know if that's unique to baseball, but I would say that, you know, working for professional baseball teams, you, you realize that, you know, pretty quickly, that's a, a wide range of people that you're trying to reach and work with and get the best out of. And so the, the more uh, opportunities you give yourself, the more skills you give, give yourself to reach those different types of people, the better. I'm glad you kept talking because I had a little difficulty here, but we're good, we're back. Can you hear me? I can hear you, yep, we're good. All right, good. Um, you know, and that, you did your internship and that, that reminds me, uh, a, lot of, a lot of people, men and women, trying to get internships. You know, that's another thing, right? How do you get your, how do you get an internship and get the teams to, you know, accept you? Now you did it with a, with a major league club, um, but you could do it with minor league clubs, independent clubs. What's the separator there? The same thing. I mean, you got to do something. I yeah. know there's resumes and all this other stuff, but how do you get picked? Cause there's a lot of people want to do these, you know, yeah, baseball I, clubs. I, I couldn't get hired today. I just couldn't. My, my resume just was not good enough. I, I really was right place, right time, particularly for not knowing anybody. Uh, and the background I had at that point, I, I really, really got lucky. Uh, and it, I couldn't, I couldn't do it again uh, without a sponsor or anything like that. So my, my story is unique in its own. And my, my story is, and my, my career is really tied to probably just 
you know, work ethic and desire to, to learn and grow. Uh, but I got an opportunity kind of on accident. And, and I don't know that you can really do much about that these days. It's really hard. Uh, it's really competitive. It's never been more competitive, arguably. Um, so, you know, I, I would, I guess the thing I would encourage people to do is reach out to as many people as you can. And, and again, probably not unique to baseball, but reach out to as many people as you can to learn about their story, because I don't think anybody has a linear path um, in, in baseball and in terms of how they got where they are. Um, I think everybody has a slightly different story, some twist on it. Um, minor league internships or independent league internships don't necessarily correlate to major league ones, but I think that the, my, just my opinion, I, I may, I, I don't know how many people share this opinion, but my opinion is if someone went and worked in the minor leagues or went and worked for an independent league team, they have a, a work ethic and a, you know, care factor that I think is a separator in my opinion, because that's hard work. Uh, you do a lot of different things. It's not glorious. Um, you often don't get paid much at all. So it's really about your, your own growth and, and how you can make the best of that. So I admire people who do that. I, I got really lucky that I didn't have to. And frankly, I was, I was kind of naive to not have to do that. Um, but I think that there's no linear path. There's no one way. And, and the more people you meet in, uh, you know, probably again, any profession, but definitely in baseball, more you realize that there are a lot of different ways to get where you want to go. Yeah. What's cool nowadays, little, you know, on a flip side, what's different is that, you know, they're hiring a lot more women, men, you know, uh, ethnic groups. It doesn't matter. You know, at one time it was pretty much, you know, cycled to men. Um, and in the game of baseball, now it's open, even though yeah, it's more competitive, you also have more opportunities. Absolutely. And I think it's a great thing. I mean, I think, look, you know, things get stagnant when you have too many of the same people around. Um, yep. and there's still an argument to be made for that in, in, uh, in a lot of industries, but in baseball. So, um, you know, I am very proud of the fact that I've always, you know, made an effort as, a, as someone who's hired a lot of people for their first jobs, um, you know, try really hard to diversify, diversify, excuse me, opinions, backgrounds, um, and, and give yourself a chance to have some people that can bring some fresh perspectives. Well, here, interesting. All right, here we go. Um, assistant GM, three different clubs, all these responsibilities. You got to hire somebody in the uh, in, in whatever capacity. Um, and you got all these resumes and they're all pretty good. And, you know, what's the separator what, that you're looking for um, or that impresses you? What are you looking for when you hire somebody? Man, that's that's a very difficult question to ask without a specific job in mind. I because I, yeah. I think you know, I'm going to give you one at the end, but I want to see if, if what, what kind of and I know it, it's going to be specific for you know it could be baseball ops, it could be you know sure. uh, budgeting, whatever it may be. But uh, let's put it this way. Let's let, let me rephrase it. Let's go with forget the job title, the person. What sure. are you looking for? Yeah, work ethic. Um, I would say. Uh, communication ability uh, skills to, to be the ability to reach different types of people um, and you know curiosity and intellectual curiosity I think goes a long ways I think if you're willing to work um, willing to put in the time and, and have an appreciation for different types of people that you're going to come across I think it's going to separate you from a lot of people is there something unique in interviews that maybe you've had with people that said bingo I like this person I mean is there something that grabbed you at times that's, a, that's an excellent question I've never been asked that um uh, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 that's a really good question. I think um, I like to think I have pretty good instincts for people. So I, I think that there's just something, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm Joe Super Scout when it comes to scouting baseball ability. I can hold my own, I think. But when it comes to reading people and, um, and hiring, I, I think I've done pretty well in my career at hiring a lot of good people. You never bat a thousand. Um, but 
I, I feel like I have pretty good instincts for that. And so I, I think you can find out about kind of their background and, and how, uh, how they work and the type of person they are, how you know, communicative they are. I think you can learn those things in a, in a, in a room and you get a feeling uh, sometimes or a vibe, but uh, that's a great question. I, I can't say one specific thing. I'm sorry. That's, that's a good question. Yeah. yeah and sometimes there may not be a specific thing. You know, sometimes it could be, you know, like I've had some young people that, you know, that I don't know, we're at tryouts or we're workouts and, you know, and then just the way they talk to you, sure. you know, you could tell if either they're kind of trying to, we use the word brown nose, you know, sure. kind of, or if they're just genuine and man, they're really sharp with their questions. You know, yeah. they may ask you some questions. You go, wow, this kid's pretty sharp, you know, and I could learn from that person also. Yeah, absolutely. I think you get that feeling. Like you said, you read it and you read the conversation, you get that feeling. All right. So Brian, all of a sudden now he's doing his internship. How does the rest lead into starting the career? Yeah, I think just sacrificing everything else in my life. I, I It's probably not a popular answer, but I, I didn't go to class a whole lot once I got an internship with the Pirates. And I, uh, I think my GPA uh, reflects that. Um, but I, I was lucky enough to just have an opportunity to be at the park all the time. And, and I really I think that's probably how I separated myself, especially when we had a leadership change, ultimately, when when um, Cam Bonifay was let go and Dave Littlefield came in as the GM. I, I was just there. I was there all the time. And I, I think that, you know, for better or worse, was my separator. I also, you know, I, you know, an easy thing to say is, you know, I had support and stuff like that. I really, I didn't, you know, have money from, from other people or anything like that. I had to work a couple of other part-time jobs, um, you know, second, third shift, weekends, that type of stuff to make, you know, be able to pay my bills and survive, uh, which I think gave me an appreciation for a lot of things in life. But, um, but really, I was just trying to be there as often as I could and, and just always be there when someone needed something, uh, wanted something, being willing to do whatever. Uh, and, and I really was just lucky enough to keep going with that. And, and ultimately, that grew into a lot of you know, different responsibilities. I, again, you know, countless list of people that gave me access to um, you know, things that I got exposed to that I was able to learn from and grow with over time. You know, I'm glad you used the word sacrifice. And I'll tell you why. Um, you know, I think Sometimes and everybody's got to sacrifice a little bit. Obviously, if you don't have to sacrifice, okay, great. You, you found the job, you know, all of a sudden somebody liked you, they hired you, that's fantastic. But you use the word sacrifice. And, I, and the reason I bring it up is because even in my industry, you know, a lot of times, you know, and I'm not trying to stereotype young people in general, so it's not a general comment, but I do run into quite a bit of young people who want things fast nowadays. You know, it's like, what can you do for me? It's no longer what can you do for me because I'm the one that's hiring, right? I mean, sure. um, you know, advice, just advice. That's all I'm asking for. Advice for young people that what does sacrifice mean? Uh, is that salary? Whatever it may be. What, you know, what do you yeah, think? I wish, I wish it wasn't salary. I, I think it often is, you know, I mean, how many of us are really paid like we think we, we should be uh, in life? Right, right. Which, you know, it, it kind of stinks, but that's um, that's where we are. But yeah, that's, that's a, it's a good observation. I, I think probably that's a struggle for me as, a, as someone who's managed a lot of people over time it is, you know, how do you thread that needle of, of giving people a voice or maybe a place at the table or respect that maybe you didn't have early in your career uh, and, you know, giving it to them and, and kind of helping them grow and learn faster on uh, recognizing that they, they may have a great opinion. They may have a great idea that, that uh, might be the best one you hear in a while. And just because they're junior doesn't mean they, they can't have that or don't have that. Um, and balancing that with the, you know, I guess, learning how to do business and respect and kind of earning that place at the table, too. And so that's a really tricky thing. Uh, my advice would be be as patient as you can, listen and learn uh, and find the right spots to express your opinions, the right people to express them to, uh, the right rooms to express them in. Uh, but it's 
you know, that's a, there's a, a bit of feel and nuance to that as well. That's not a tricky, that's, excuse me, that's a little bit of a tricky thing to answer. And, and I, I understand exactly what you're saying. And it's something that I've always struggled with um, as I've been managing people for a while is kind of that push and pull of making sure you want these people to, to get paid better than you did and have more access than you did. Uh, and then balancing the kind of the other side of that. Excellent. You know, and I, I can only say from my experience when I was younger, the other part, I, you know, I definitely sacrificed like you did financially and everything um, because, you, you know, you have a, a love for what you're doing. If you, if you can sacrifice and wait a little bit, good things will happen I, I, most of the time. Um, and, you know, I remember just uh, an opportunity came up and uh, I didn't go for the job. I said, I will run the thing and raise my own salary. I wanted it that bad. I said, I'll figure out how to raise the money. Don't worry about it. And they gave it to me, right? Because why wouldn't they give you something if you say, I'll do it for free? Sure. Just, just let me raise the money, right? I'll raise my own salary. Isn't that great? So if you get that opportunity, hey, take, you know, sometimes when you're young, you can take those chances because, you know, you don't have the family, the kids and sure. a lot of bills and all that. So I think that's maybe some advice there. Um, you know, the, the other part is, and I'm going to get to some questions here because we got some questions coming up on a WBSC. I want to get to that, but uh, I think it's an interesting process here. The other part of all this is I think young people have to understand too is it's competitive once you're inside too. It's kind of like a baseball team. You want to be a team, but you're also trying to maybe get to a different level, right? Maybe your goal is to be assistant GM or director of scouting. I mean, you, you can't really everybody has ambitions right that's fair enough so how do you how do you keep humble and uh level when you're trying also to get to the next level sure well so I, let me let me go back to the the compensation thing i mean that's that's a really really tricky thing uh, especially these days as college is getting more and more expensive and and all mm. like that i mean uh it's it's tough it's tough i, I got really lucky to live in an inexpensive city um, and you know, I, I was able to get a couple of part-time jobs that allowed me to kind of float myself and get through the tough times. Um, but that's, that's not always the case for people. And that's a really tricky thing. And I know that's a, um, particularly, uh, tricky topic as it gets to, to hiring, but, um, yeah, I, I it's, uh, it's a good question. I, I think that, um, I, I, I don't know, rephrase the question one more time. Just basically, basically, you know, you're, you're going to compete with people sure, in yeah. the industry, right? Sure. Um, so I think, and, and, and you, you don't to... want, I mean, and you don't want, I don't think people like people that cutthroat other people. That's no, 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 no. Not, yeah. I think, good thing, I think right? yeah, I think it's like anything else being a good teammate and, and um, you know, being respectful and, and trying to make the greater good better. I, I it's easy for me to say, I, I that's just how I'm wired. Uh, not everyone is, but I think when you have people that aren't good teammates, just like any other team, uh, they, they tend to get weeded out pretty quickly. And, and, you know, I guess whether it's uh, sales, marketing, baseball, whatever, there's a sliding scale of uh, tolerance and performance. Um, so, you know, you maybe you deal with a little more crap from someone if they're really good, but uh, generally speaking, I think um, it is competitive, but I think you look for people that can work well with the team and try and elevate the, the masses and, and do everything you can to kind of bring the group up uh, as best you can. Um, but that's, I think, a uh, if I will sound like a, a crotchety old man, uh, something that's going on in baseball right now is I think there's a lot of people trying to be right and trying to make their mark instead of worrying about, you know, the greater good of the game or what a player, individual player needs to get better. So that's the last thing I'll say on that. But uh, I think generally speaking, um, you know, you look for people that are going to be good teammates and you, you, you know, in general, you want people who can shine by, you know, their efforts and their own, their own volition, not uh, tearing other people down to get there. And so 
I would say, you know, looking for people that are, that are you know, smart, creative, uh, aggressive, trying to take on more work and do it respectfully and humbly. And, and to, to, you know, your point about uh, staying humble, I think in baseball, it's not hard um, if you're, unless you're completely unaware, uh, particularly in scouting, you know, I mean, you know, how many times you hear, you know, if you haven't made mistakes, you haven't done it long enough. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, if you haven't even coaching, you know, you, you know, I've never seen a coach intentionally mess a player up. He did something, he gave a drill to a player that has worked for him before. And maybe it didn't work with that guy. Now the guy's in a bad spot or whatever. It wasn't intentional. So I, I think all of us, you know, if you haven't made mistakes, you're probably not trying and you also haven't been doing it very long. And so I think, you know, that stuff will humble you pretty quickly. Brian, you, you then became director of baseball operations for the Pirates. Did that lead right into that? How, how did that work? Uh, yeah, a few years. A few years of kind of uh, doing a little bit of everything, moving a lot of cars, making a lot of copies, and uh, and just being able to sit in a room and then taking over things slowly and slowly, uh, you know, as I went. And uh, when Neil Huntington came in as the GM at the end of 07, he, he made me the director of baseball operations. And uh, I was there for two years with him before I went to Washington as assistant GM. And, um, so I got to work with Neil uh, for a couple of years and, and, uh, and a couple other guys that was really sharp. How does that look as uh, director of baseball ops? What's the responsibilities overall? Yeah. So really not, not dissimilar. We didn't have an, an assistant GM in title at the time. And so I, I, in a lot of ways, I functioned as that uh, for him. I, you know, I was handling, you know, a good chunk of our uh, uh, major league and minor league contract negotiations, rule compliance, um, you know, salary arbitration, that type of stuff, working with some people on that. So, you know, anything we did, I was right in the middle of it, whether it was trades, waivers, whatever. Uh, and that was really similar, even though I, I had a different title, similar to, to a couple of my assistant GM stops as well, where, uh, or at least one of them anyways in Arizona, where it was more major league focused. Um, now, in Pittsburgh, I also, that was my first foray into really kind of overseeing international scouting. Uh, I worked hand in hand with our, our guy who was doing uh, Latin America, but I got to oversee kind of the rest of the world. Uh, I was involved in some pretty interesting opportunities there or signings there. So that was my first real foray into that. It's something that I have been interested in and we really hadn't done much of outside of Latin America and started to grow with those couple of years. So I'd say that was probably the biggest distinction at that point. Wow. That young, that many responsibilities starting to grow the game a little bit worldwide when it comes to players and all that. Um, uh, Take us into, this is a a good friend of mine is uh, Ken Medlock who was in Moneyball. He was play, he played Grady Fusion and Muddy Ball in the meeting. He's the guy that uh, that uh, got fired. And and take us into one of those meetings. You know that remember you saw the meeting in Moneyball. You know talking about players. Is that kind of like the meeting goes, or is that for Hollywood? You know, I, I think when that was set, uh, that was in a lot of ways it was how some of those conversations went at that um, time, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe not quite that unsophisticated. I think that that was played up a little bit for the movies, of course. Um, sure, there's certainly a lot more scouting data and things well, like that available. And and I asked that because you mentioned earlier, I think you said something, I don't know how you phrased it, but um, say things at the right time, you know, in other words, you're in a room with a bunch of scouts because some of those guys were scouts, actual scouts in the movie. Sure, sure. Um, and you're in that meeting, you got a GM, you've got all these powerful people and you might be, you know, maybe just got the job, right? Just came in and, you know, you got to be careful what you say, but, or you have to know how to say it, or maybe you just need to say it sometimes. Yeah. I, I erred on keeping my mouth shut. Maybe that's how yeah. I lost as long as I did, but I, I was, <laughs> I was way more likely to not say a word and then yeah. go to someone I trusted later and ask a question about, and really that's how I learned a lot of things in my career. I mean, just that's how I learned even where I am today, but you know, in general, uh, when I was first coming up, that was a lot of the stuff I did. I, I was lucky enough to get to sit outside of the general manager's office. Um, and you know, the downside was I had to answer his phone and move his car. 
the upside was, you know, late at night when the game's over and I could sit and ask him questions about transactions and thought process and things like that. Um, so those types of things, those types of scenarios, it's just knowing the right time and place. And, you know, I'm not going to ask uh, a challenging question or some, some question that might, you know, challenge someone's authority in front of their whole staff or mm-hmm. you know, say something kind of flippant or, or, you know, that I'm not sure of in a room like that. But I have a relationship with the scouting director and I can say, hey, at the time, you know, Ed Creech, hey, Ed Creech, um, you know, I, I thought about this or what about this? And, and he would take the time to answer me and explain it to me or one of the cross checkers or something like that uh, or a pro scout or, or whatever the, the meeting was. So you're just finding the right place and time. And I think that kind of is twofold. It's one, it's showing you're paying attention to somebody um, taking an interest in, in, and also having the respect to ask them their opinion and kind of their experience on it and the rationale. Um, but on top of that, not making a fool of yourself in front of a lot of people too. So it's kind of a nice combination of those things. So I would say, generally speaking, I would, I would, uh, err my, my own experience out there on the, the side of caution with that. You know what? I'm with you. Cause I can think of many times I grew up with older coaches, older, everybody scouts, you name them. So I, I'm with you. Cause I, I could never say much. I'd always have to ask afterwards, what'd you think about this? Or mm-hmm. so I'm with you hundred percent. A question for you, when you're going from, you know, director of baseball ops, and we're going to talk about your assistant GM role too. Um, now, who does the negotiations for you when you get a job? Is it an agent or is it you individually or? No, me individually. Yeah. Um, which actually I think is a, is a great experience just, you know, learning how to advocate for yourself mm-hmm. um, and also, you know, having some points of reference as best you can at different, different uh, stages. But, uh, but yeah, I've, I've always, I've always handled that myself. Do GMs have agents? Because they, they get paid pretty uh, good. There are some that, that use agents to maybe review a contract for them or, or bounce ideas. Attorney, off them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but not uh, I would say not in the traditional sense. OK, uh, you know, and the other part of all this, man, you worked with some incredible people uh, and you were you know, I know you couldn't mention all your mentors, but um, here we are. We're talking about Dave Littlefield, Neil Hullington, you know, Mike Rizzo. Um, I'm not sure who the Phillies GM was. But what, when you look at, and you can mention them, when you look at all these GMs in their positions, I mean, I look at a guy like Mike Rizzo, you know, scout, understands development, understands the game, but yet is open to all the anal- analytics of the game. Um, I can't even pronounce this, let alone try to learn it. Um, what makes these GMs, when they get to that level, what makes them good? What, what's, the, what's the quality of a GM? Yeah, it's a good question. So, um some of the others, you know, I worked with Tony LaRusso and Dave Stewart in, in Arizona, um, oh, yeah. back in Philadelphia. Um, so all of them are different. You know, they're all very, very different. Um, and their backgrounds are different and their thought processes are different. Uh, they're, you know, I've, I've always looked at my job as an assistant to that person uh, as trying to fill in the gaps for them. You know, where are they soft? Where can't they be? I need to be in those places. I need to handle these responsibilities. Uh, so it's just varied with each, uh, each person I've worked for. Um, you know, if I had to, if I had to single uh, a couple of those guys out, you know, I, I learned so much about just being a general manager, watching Dave Littlefield for six plus years, uh, day in, day out, and, the, and the, the approach he took to the job, which was very, uh, probably even to his own detriment, very selfless and very, um, you know, uh, you know, he he was constantly trying to do something to better the group and better the uh, the the team, and and that you know took a lot out of him, um, and and it was took a lot of time and effort and energy, and, and he was great at it. Uh, in those, in those regards. Um, but I think generally speaking, you know, I, I could say Neil Huntington, Mike Rizzo kind of as the next two guys I worked for, um, you know, not being afraid to fail and not being afraid to do it how you believe you need to do it. Uh, and being willing to, uh, you know, ultimately sacrifice your job for trying to do things the way you believe in it. And it's such a rare opportunity to get to be a general manager 
uh, to have that opportunity. I, I don't want to speak for these guys, but this is my observation for all three of those guys. Uh, and then guys I worked for after, but having the, you know, having the opportunity to do that job and it's so difficult and so wide ranging, um, you know, not sacrificing your beliefs or, or what got you to that point and trying to do the best you can. Um, it's a really uh, difficult job. It's a thankless job in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, I admire guys who've gone about it in that way where they've not sacrificed what they believe in. They've tried to do it their way, try to do it right and see how it goes. And, and you know, you have some you know, flashes of success. And generally speaking, this whole thing is it's a it's a pretty difficult operation to run. So I have a lot of admiration and respect for anybody who's done that really for any sport. But I know for baseball, it's a it's a tricky thing. So uh, that's that's probably something I learned. Well, you know, I know they get, you know, obviously they make very good money nowadays. You know, I remember rolling him and told, telling me that, you know, he used to help pull a tarp when he was GM. You know, <laughs> they don't do that anymore. No. But they have major responsibilities. Not only is it on their shoulders to put together a, a well-run organization, and we're not talking about baseball-wise only, talking about business-wise too. They got to handle both sides of this. And I know they got to hire good people. You know, winning is part of it. There's a lot of pressure. There's people that, you know, maybe even want their jobs, right? I mean, it's, again, competitive. It's, that's life. Um, so you got to trust people. Uh, that, that's not easy. Um, how, when, you, when you saw these guys operate, um, how were they with their employees? What made them special with their employees? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say the, you know, trust and allowing people to do their jobs and belief in their in the people that they hire uh, or that they they inherit to work and, and do their jobs. Um, realizing that you can't do that job by yourself, uh, and you know, being comfortable delegating and letting people work around you. Um, you know, that's always a tricky thing managing people and learning how to delegate and being comfortable with it. I think it takes a lot of time uh, to be comfortable with it and good at it. Um, to to you know believe that especially when the stakes are high. Uh, in that regard, um, you know, your job and hundreds of other people's jobs are, are dependent on good decisions and, you know, trusting that people are going to do things the way you want them done on uh, the manner the, the conversation is going to happen the way you want them to happen. It's hard. Um, so I think trusting people and letting them do their jobs is probably the, the most um, compelling thing. Um, but it's a it's a tricky thing. Sure. You know, and uh, I'm going to jump back for a second because, I, you know, this money ball keeps coming in my mind, right? Every time we talk about GMs and assistant GMs. And uh, again, it, from, this was a player's point of view or when they fired a player. Remember, they had the assistant do it. Mm -hmm. um, did you have to ever do that? And how do you handle that situation, whether it be an employee, player, whatever it is? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've, I've had to fire many people, uh, some by choice, some not. I, I, you know, COVID and everything like that. I've, I've had to uh, release plenty of players. Um, generally speaking, I think just having difficult conversations in management is always a, a challenge. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's um, I think I've learned a lot in terms of how to do that. I think it's a, a skill uh, because not everyone's comfortable having conversations like that. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I, that's a skill I think I bring to the table, regardless of uh, what I do. And I, that's not, I don't know if that's something you want to be proud of, but it's, it's what it is. Um, I think you just try and be as humane as possible, direct as possible and short as possible to get to the point and, and move forward. Um, somebody a long time ago, I worked with the farm director I worked with, uh, said something I'll never forget. So, you know, when you release a player, he always took cut days very, very hard. Mm. Release days in the minor leagues very hard. And he said, you, when you release a player, you're not just releasing him, you're releasing his you know, wife or girlfriend, his, his parents, his hometown, his high school coach, his college coach, you know, all of his buddies growing up. And that's maybe, maybe that's a little dramatic. And if you think of it that way, you, you know, put yourself in a slump. But I think 
what it points to is just being respectful that, you know, you're impacting someone's life. Um, and some of these guys, some of, some of the players understand that they have, you know, a limited amount of time to kind of show their wares and, and progress. Um, some people, you know, never really understand that and, and all like that. So I think it's, uh, it's something you're just trying to be careful with. I, I would say that when I, I was really lucky, I felt like I, you know, being able to oversee scouting and player development for the Phillies, I could be on both sides of that narrative and, and, uh, with our scouting staff, with our player development staff. And so it was important to me that, you know, we made sure when we signed a player, he was going to get an opportunity to play. Uh, it wasn't going to be, I, I didn't want the two things you always hear from players. This is a little bit of a tangent here, but two things you always hear from players are uh, I wish they had been honest with me and I didn't get a chance. And, mm -hmm. you know, those two things were things you can control, I think. Um, so I tried really hard, you know, barring injury and, and things like that. Um, I try to make sure we were as direct with players as we could be, uh, be as, as, you know, proactive with conversations, especially tough ones, you know, assignments, um, you know, opportunities, those types of things, be as direct as we could be. Um, and then also make sure that if we signed a player, he got an opportunity to play, he got innings, he got at bats. And uh, that's, it's not always that easy. Sometimes it's a little uncomfortable, but, um, but I, I, you know, at the end of the day, when you release a player and you send them home, if that's it for them, I, you know, I, my goal was to have them at least understand that they got a chance and they were, you know, they were treated with respect. And it, again, you don't bat a thousand, sometimes things happen, but you know, that to me was the goal. And I think it's yeah. no different with an employee. Yeah. And that's a you know good point because, you know, you talk about listening skills. I think those are so important and you listen to them. You listen to those two great points and, and use that for when you had to either release a player or a person, um, you know, and honesty is the best policy, even though it's the hardest part, right? Because you don't want to make them feel bad, but at the same time, they're going to be feel bad no matter what. And they're going to be angry at the beginning. Right. I think yeah. they'll learn later. They'll learn later. Hey, you know, Brian was right. You know, okay. Just like having your own son or daughter, they learn later that mom and dad were correct in that area. So as long as you're honest, I think, cause I, sometimes I've seen in the game, you know, I, cause I've been involved independently and seen some managers, not really tell that player when they release them, why they released them. You know, um, I just think it's better off. I agree with you. Um, just be honest. And I think that that's the best policy. Um, all right. Play a little game here. Uh, the game's changing. Um, you're now general manager of a major league club. Um, I know this is a, could be a whole show in itself, but you know, in the, I don't know if things have changed in this perspective, but in the past, it's always been, you know, pitching, defense, and then you, you know, maybe hopefully hitting, you'll work on it, but you're, you're putting a team together, everything involves skills or anything else. What are the most important things to you when you're putting this club together? That's pretty far afield. Uh, yeah. So I think you got to look at what you have currently uh, and, and how long are you committed to some of those players? Um, you know, philosophically, what are, you know, what's available on the market, whether it's by, by trade or, or by free agency, uh, and be realistic about kind of where you are and where you need to go. I, you know, I think, you know, look, the simple answer is pitching and defense, of course, and, you know, situational hitting and guys that hit for power. I mean, we all want really good players. <clears throat> I think you realize pretty quickly there aren't 30 superstars in every position, and you end up making sacrifices uh, in certain places, you know, whether it's hit for power, power for hit you know, defense, overhit, whatever. And, you know, no team is going to be perfect. Um, and, you know, when you have a lot of money, you can try and be perfect. You have more room to, to try and be perfect or take chances. Uh, I learned that working for small and big market teams that, you know, small market teams, the biggest difference is margin for error. You know, if you give a lot of money to a player and he stinks, he's yours and you got to figure it out um, or you're going to be hampered by that. So, um, you know, I think just trying to make good decisions and, and feed off of what you have, you know, in the minor leagues, what do you have coming up for free agency? 
where's our team, how are we constructed, what's our ballpark like, all those types of things. I asked you that question because I knew you could answer it right away. Yeah, I, I know you know you said it's a it's a it's a it's a whole show in itself, but you know, but we're not gonna finish here. We're gonna continue because I'm gonna ask you, okay, you're in the draft and you've got certain and I read things in the papers, you know, with GMs and all this and I and I hear what they're looking for, but you got a draft going on. Um, it's not just the skills that you're looking at, is it? Uh no, I well, I mean, particularly early in the draft. I mean, you've got to factor in, you know, makeup and and risk and things like that. Uh, so, and that, that varies, uh, where are you picking? And, you know, do you, you know, do you have all of your picks? Are you missing a second or third round pick? Do you have compensation picks? You can kind of take some chances at different places based on that stuff, but, um, you know, and there, there are points in the draft, uh, or even after the draft where you just sign raw ability and take a chance on your development staff to, to make the guy better. Um, so yeah, I think it just varies. Are there things about the person, how much research has done on the individual, the family and so forth? Yeah, as much as you can, um, you know, whether it's you know just you know, meeting them, social media, you know, relying on your area scout to have as much of a relationship as possible or as much information as possible, whether it's, you know, what the parents look like physically, uh, especially if you're dealing with younger kids in maybe Latin America or something, you know, what are these, what do the parents look like? What do their family members look like? Um, you know, uh, what, what type of family is it? Um, you know, uh, single parent, multiple parents, you know, a lot of brothers and sisters, none. Uh, what's their playing background? You know, how do their coaches like them? You rely a lot on your area scouts to get a lot of that mm. information. Um, you know, when it trickles up, you know, it's going to be more, you know, red flags and, and things like that that you try and pay attention to and uh, assume that you're going to, you know, when it comes to a conversation about a first rounder that, you know, if there are a lot of red flags there, you probably have already weeded that person out. Um, but, you know, I think it's like any other business. You don't know about people sometimes until you hire them. Um, and there's things you can't account for, um, you know, injuries, um, you know, how they respond to failure and challenges. Uh, you just don't know that sometimes until you get someone either on your staff or as a, as a player. You mentioned red flags. Give me a couple. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, you know, arrest record or, uh, you know, how they, you know, see them, how they treat people around them. I don't know. There's, there's a zillion things you could probably reference there. But those are good points. I mean, character's big. Uh, Sure. I mean, if you, if you got bad character, I'm not sure that's somebody you really want on your club and your team and your and even in your office, right? I mean, character, how they get along with people. Um, now, is there a difficult? Has there ever been a time where you, had, you know, as a club, you had to make a decision, um, especially in the first round, where character or something else just didn't match, and you went to the next person? You don't have to name names or anything. Yeah, just in no, general. yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't name names. That'd, that'd be tricky. Uh, so no, I, I look. I think that's. I think. Always, and I, you know, kind of what I referenced earlier, a sliding scale of tolerance and performance. If they're going to be um, a pain in the butt or not a good guy, they better be really good. And, uh, and I mean, really good. And, and that rope uh, probably burns a little faster uh, for some yeah. people. Yeah, I mean, we've all known, you know, really talented people that couldn't sustain it because they, they didn't have something. Um, so, sure, of course. And, and, you know, scouting is really hard in general. Player development is really hard in general. Um, so, you know, you're, you're more likely to make mistakes than not. And you try and limit those mistakes or learn from them and grow. Uh, so certainly, you know, you, you try and take, especially early in the draft when you're committing a lot of money, you're trying to, to make the most balanced decision you can. Um, so, you know, you're more likely to take a chance on a guy who's maybe got, you know, less character later when the dollars aren't the same risk and that type of stuff. Um, you love to have a whole bunch of people that are really great people with, you know, off the charts, makeup and work ethic and ability. Uh, but, you know, those are hard to come by. They're really hard to come by. So sometimes you have to make some sacrifices. And I think 
depending on the severity of the red flags, you can decide whether or not to take that risk. Uh, you know, that's that's a personal decision or a leadership decision. Um, but you know, it's not um, it's not always cut and dry, and it's not always perfect. Sure, and these teams, man, they're investing a lot of money in these people, whether it be a high school kid, college player. Um, so you know. One thing I really love about the game, Brian, um, that, you know, and I, I don't agree with everything, but nobody's going to, you know, you know, everybody's got their own opinions um, professionally from the standpoint of, you know, the game at one time used to be so set in its ways that didn't want any change. You know, baseball is one of the games that's taken a long time to change certain things, probably for the better. Um, but there's some neat things that are happening. You know, I, we talked about earlier, coaches, players. Uh, excuse me, coaches, you know, uh, younger coaches are getting into the game. At one time, you couldn't get into a game of coaching unless you played professional baseball, or you knew somebody, you know, at the, at the major league level. Now it, that's changed. Uh, one of the things that's changed is the development of the game. Um, uh, today I'm watching the combine going on, you know, that uh, football does normally, mm -hmm. and you're looking at the combine and for years we've been, you know, even at the younger levels, I think this is important at the young levels, we've been judging their talent and also um, judging their, uh, strength, their flexibility, their agility, all things that you need when you're young, because you can't wait till you're 18 years old to get some of these. Um, and then at the same time, teaching the players how to get better in those areas. Now you're seeing Major League Baseball with this combine. I mean, they're testing everything from flexibility of the arms, the joints, you know, jumping, jumping up, jumping forward, you name it, all that. Uh, this is great for the game, I, I think, because if it filters down, it's going to make players even better. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I think, you know, from a, a major league team perspective, you're you're just trying to learn something and hopefully get better at making decisions going forward. And so every piece of that information, you don't necessarily know if it's going to yield a, a result or an answer. Uh, but the longer you collect it, the more track record you have with it, the better chance you have of learning if it matters or not. Um, I think probably that's a, the, one of the biggest challenges right now is you know we can collect a lot of things, but we don't know necessarily if it matters. I think some teams are ahead of others in, in their assessment of what matters and what doesn't in that space. Um, but that's, um, that's not a simple thing to answer. I think that um, it can't hurt to collect those things. I, I think probably, you know, there, there's a thought process out there that, you know, showcase. Um, Hang on, folks, we got just a slight difficulty. Hang on, Brian, you there? Sure. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Keep going. You're good. So I, I think there's a, like, there's an argument out there that, that showcase, uh, stuff has hurt baseball in a lot of ways because it's trained guys to, you know, try and hit the ball in the ballpark or just strike guys out or throw as hard as they can and not, not, not command the ball and things like that. Um, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but, um, but I understand that the idea. And so, you know, it's like anything else, you know, are you, are you training to get better to answer the, the test questions better uh, or, or are you training to be you know better all around? And um, it's probably not quite that simple, but I think uh, generally speaking, um, you know, more attention paid uh, to this stuff and, and more kid, more time that kids spend training to get better at these things probably can't hurt. Uh, what's been wild about this WBSC uh, stuff that I've gotten to know, and there's about 10 million things, is just how, you know, while I think a lot of countries' problems or issues are uh, similar, the scope is very different. And so at the end of the day, you know, getting young kids to play, um, you know, just play, period, in some country is the most important thing. And I would say even in America, because we're losing players here in Japan. Um, but, you know, at what point does the, uh, the physical testing get in the way of, of just let, letting kids grow up and play? I, I don't know the answer to that, uh, but it's something to consider as we move forward. But great point. It's almost like you're reading my mind because my, you know, I was going to ask you about nowadays, what do kids 
need to do more to become better players um, because, you know, it seems to be like, wait, it's so, it's so organized. There's, you know, showcases. And I get all that because kids want to be showcased. But as far as playing the game and getting to be a better baseball player, what do you think young kids, like you said, here in the U.S. and around the world, what yeah. should they be focusing on? I, I can't answer that wholly. All I can say is keep playing baseball. You just don't know. I think, look, I, I, I think it's pretty rare that someone has major league ability um, in any country and doesn't get to the major leagues and isn't discovered, especially in the United States. Um, so, you know, you hear that sometimes, well, I wasn't seen or whatever. It's pretty rare when you're that good uh, because getting to getting to the major leagues is really difficult. And I think probably in professional baseball, even we tend to underestimate how hard a ball is, how hard double A is, how hard triple A is, and moving up to those levels is really difficult. Uh, the percentages and the odds are against you, uh, even first rounders. So don't make it, you know, and, and they got the most money and they're presumably going to get a lot of opportunity. So to, you know, say, hey, you have to be on an 8U travel team sounds absurd. Uh, so there are kids who didn't peak physically until they were 18, 19, 20 years old, 22 years old. Uh, and that's when they became, uh, you know, their skills came out and they became a major leaguer. So I can't answer that directly. I, I, um, I, I can't say I'm in favor of a lot of the, the stuff that's going on at the younger levels, uh, younger ages. Um, but, you know, it seems like it's a little much. But at the end of the day, your athletic ability and your, you know, just gifts, your skills uh, that you can't train are, are going to show. Uh, I think you can make yourself certainly better at a lot of things. Um, you know, what does that make? Does that make you a uh, you know, better college player, a better professional? I, I don't know necessarily right now. Um, so I admire the hustle that a lot of these kids are going through. Um, I think it's just really hard and, and we can't ever forget that. So I think anything you can do to make yourself you know, more athletic and keep honing your skills, the better. Uh, and, you know, generally speaking, learning how to play the game and playing the game as much as possible can't hurt. You know what? And I think you answered it and I'll tell you why, because when you said play the game, I think that's what's lacking. And I don't mean play games. What I think what's lacking is, you know, just kids going out and playing on their own. I know mm -hmm. safety is an issue, you know. But how much did we learn? I know I learned a ton. I used to go out when I was young and I know kids are going to say, oh, that was when you grew up. But listen, we played, you know, five on five, eight on eight. Didn't matter because we closed the field halfway if we had to, you know, and hit only to the left side or maybe sometimes to the right side only. Sure. But we learned so much because we didn't have any coaching in some ways, even though coaching helps. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, man, we're just playing, figuring it out, having some fun. And that's what you're talking about, you know. Play the organized games, but then go out and do something on your own, even if it's just playing catch, you know, having parents play catch with their kids or just hitting the ball in the backyard. Sure. Where you hear all these big league stories about, uh, you know, I know Jimmy Lefebvre and Renee Latchman, I think, they, they grew up together, you know, they're playing, you know, wiffle ball in the backyard or whatever game it was, you know, and they became good players because of it. So I think you hit it on a button. Play, just play the game. And just, sure. you know, play it more. I think we're better off. All right, that ends the first part of this fantastic episode. Brian did a great job. And in the next episode, Brian will be discussing his decision to run for one of the most important positions in baseball worldwide. That is the president of the WBSC, the World Baseball Softball Confederation, the governing body of the sport. He's running for that position, also for the position of executive board member at large and chairman of the baseball division along with vice chairman of baseball division of course we wish him luck in getting one of those because he will be a great attribute to the wbsc 
So listen to its second episode. A lot of great stuff about international baseball and how to develop it, continue the development, grow it worldwide. Brian's got some great ideas. So folks, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you on part two. This has been Baseball Outside the Box with Peter Caliendo. Listen online at BaseballOutsideTheBox.com and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and all major podcast outlets. Join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter. Get all of our podcasts now at lineupmedia.fm.